This is Palm Sunday, <clears throat> and uh, we are going to try to lift out of the Scriptures the full meaning of um, what the Holy Spirit had in mind by recording the events that occurred on that first Palm Sunday, the week before, the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday. And um, a lot of people, when they think of the riding into Jerusalem by the Lord Jesus, kind of liken it to a parade. Well, I guess you could do that. Uh, there's kind of a similarity of event here. Um, I know years ago when I went to parades in Philadelphia, you know, the city of brotherly love, uh, I would go to parades there and it would be hard as a child to see past people and see things going by and uh, a lot of pe people going by, you wouldn't know who they were. And But it, it was fun to go to a parade. But this was a very special event uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 21. But before we go to Matthew 21, would you turn with me to Zechariah Old Testament chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah 9, verse 9. This is a very, very important prophecy in the Word of God. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. The prophet writes and says, and by the way, this is 500 years before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. 500 years before. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just or righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that day, uh, the Sunday before his resurrection, the multitudes recognized that he was fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy and they realized that Jesus of Nazareth was claiming to be the promised Messiah for Israel, the King of Israel. This unusual prophecy predicted to the Jewish people that their king was there, the long-promised king. For many, many years, hundreds of years, it was promised that the Messiah would come. And he would have, you'll notice the text says, salvation. But when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he did not ride in as a conquering warrior, but on a lowly uh, donkey, uh, not on a white stallion. Uh, in fact, a donkey, the foal of a donkey. And, uh, of course, the scriptures are very clear in fact, we're going to go over to uh, Matthew 21 now and notice that, that that prophecy was uniquely fulfilled by the Lord Jesus. And the interesting thing is when you think of the prophecies of Scripture and you think of the fact, all right, here's this one prophecy. We're not looking at the about 300 that were fulfilled in one day when Jesus died. Prophecies concerned. We're not looking at 300. We're looking at this one prophecy concerning Jesus the week before he was um, crucified. We're confident that when God promises something, he will come through. You see, we are amongst those who are looking for the return of Christ. Please keep in mind 
that not every segment of professing Christianity has those in it that are looking for the return of Jesus Christ like you are. We are amongst those who are looking for Christ to come in the air. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead of Christ shall be rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wow, that's awesome. That's us. We're looking for Jesus Christ, and he could come back even before this service is over. And uh, I say amen to that, that he would come back. Um, Jesus promised to come back again, not only in the rapture, but seven days after, uh, pardon me, seven years after the rapture, the second coming to the earth. And I love to see the words of Christ in Scripture itself. Jesus said um, that he would um, come on the clouds of heaven, Matthew 24, verse 30, with power and great glory. And that really stirred up those who didn't believe in Jesus when he said he's coming back in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's uh, Matthew chapter 24. And of course you know that the book of Revelation says in Revelation chapter 19 verse 11, the Apostle John says, In a vision of the future from us today, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. And, of course, that would be the nation of Israel who rejected Jesus as being the Messiah. I remember a number of years ago I was at the uh, Texas State Fair, and there was across from where we were at the Bible booth, there was a woman who was selling lots of articles, and uh, she was Jewish. And, um, boy, I prayed about what I should say to her. Um, Finally, uh, the Lord put something upon my heart, and I went over, and uh, she had some things to say about me, about what we were doing there. And I said, you know, I said, um, we are telling people about your Messiah. And I'm not going to tell you what she said. (laughs) She doesn't believe, of course, or didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. I said, you know, the, the, the scriptures are very clear. Um, he came unto his own Israel, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, and we are those who received him. But I thought, you know, what can I say? And she said that I'm one of these Jewish people that only looks at the first five books of the Bible. We don't look at anything else uh, of your Bible. Uh, I only look at the, the, the Torah. And I thought, okay, that means I have to find Christ in the first five books. Not that hard to do, right? And so um, I, I, I chose to use the Deuteronomy passage where Christ is referred to as that prophet. Remember Moses mentioned that prophet that's to come? And um, I, I put it on a three-by-five card. And I said, you know, your Messiah was going to be called, or was called rather by Moses, that prophet who was to come. And, and the interesting thing in that verse, it says, that God said, I am going to send that prophet with a capital P, meaning his son, the Messiah, and it is responsible, it is responsibility rather, of everyone who hears him to listen to what he says. And I put that on a card, and, and I gave it to her. And I don't know if she's saved today or not. We're still praying for her. Maybe she's come to faith in Christ. I'm not sure. But uh, the passage before us in uh, Matthew 21, which was read for us, 
tells us about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. You notice it starts talking about the historical place. Uh, they were approached, the disciples and Jesus approached Bethpage and Bethany. These two vis- uh, villages, rather, were about uh, one mile from, uh, apart from each other and about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Bethany was actually the home of Jesus' dear friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And uh, Jesus often stayed with his disciples. In fact, it may be that that last week before the crucifixion and resurrection, that each day there that he went to stay with uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha uh, at their home in the evening. It may be. Verse 2, we have the words of Christ. And he says, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt. Now, there are some uh, of the other uh, gospel accounts who do not mention uh, the fact that there was a donkey with the colt. But Matthew's gospel, he mentions it because he's focusing on that prophecy that we read when we started in Zechariah 9.9. And in the prophecy, again, I'm going to read it. Because it's very important. The Lord said through the prophet, Rejoice, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. And he will be riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Very specific. And that's why they're crying out, Hosanna, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because many of the people knew what the Old Testament scriptures, which we just read, had said, and it was prophesied, that the king of Israel would go into Jerusalem, not on a horse, but on a donkey. Now the question is this. Oftentimes people will ask, well, how did they know, how did they know when Jesus was coming, the Son of God, the Messiah? How did they know? Well, they knew through the Scriptures. How do we know that Jesus Christ is coming back again? From the scriptures. Now you may say, well, somebody told me that Christ is coming back again. Well, that's good that they told you that. But you see, it's the word of God that tells us the things about God and the things that God is doing. Jesus is, uh, himself said this. Matthew, cha- I'm pardon, pardon me, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 Everything written about me in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So they knew Christ was coming because the Old Testament scriptures said he was coming. In fact, it's very interesting about one-fourth of the word of God is prophecy. And much of that one-fourth is prophecy concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. I like what someone said, and they said it this way. Jesus Christ is the Son of and sub-sum, rather, and substance of biblical prophecy. Jesus Christ is the theme of the Bible. In fact, you could say to someone some, sometime who doesn't understand the Bible at all, you could say, you know, here, here are 66 books, and they all agree uh, being written by the Holy Spirit of God, and the theme of the Bible is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, laid down his life, died for our sins, and rose again. Christ is the theme of Scripture. It's very interesting as we look at this account that we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is in control of what's happening. You'll notice he gives instruction to his disciples to go into this village and find the donkey with the colt. 
and bring it. Um, Palm Sunday is a time when Christ is setting in motion the fact that he will do the most important thing that's ever been done for mankind. He's going to go to the cross on Friday and there die and pay for our sins. And we know that's true. We know that Jesus, when he died, paid the price for our own sins. And we know that we've been forgiven because what Jesus Christ did. Well, on Palm Sunday, you see, things are set into motion. And Jesus Christ is going to the cross. And I want you to remember this. It's all part of God's awesome plan. He has a plan. And when we end our message this morning, we're going to see that's going to be the final thing that we're going to talk about. And what's wonderful to know is, because we're here this morning, and if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you realize you're part of God's plan. It was in the plan of God that you would hear about Christ. It was in the plan of God that you would accept Christ as your Savior. And it's amazing how God's going to keep working in your life and my life for his glory. You see, it's part of a divine plan of God. In fact, that's Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, where it says Jesus Christ is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. It was in the plan of God that Jesus Christ would die for you and me. Well, he tells these disciples to go get the donkey and the colt, and he is going to ride into Jerusalem on the donkey and the colt. And he also tells them, he said, they may ask you why you're taking this. Um, by the way, um, some of you like to see on the Internet the skit guys, those Christian guys. How many of you have seen skit guys? Okay, they are a riot. They, uh, it's two men today who interact on all kinds of Christian things and they interacted on being sent into Jerusalem uh, being set yeah being set into this village to get the donkey for Jesus and they act very afraid and they said maybe we better offer a money to borrow this donkey that's you're not responding to that but it's very interesting that, that they say you know this is a, this is an interesting event and let's reenact it and they reenact it with a little bit of humor but they, uh, the Lord Jesus said, if they ask you about why you want the donkey, you can say, the Lord has need of them, the donkeys. The Lord has need of them. And um, probably the owners of the donkeys knew who Jesus was and may have also been the, uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll notice that it says in verse 4, and this is a very important phrase. We will look at it again, but it says um, in verse 4, 21 verse 4, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. I'm going to say this again. God had a plan. You say, even in eternity past, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit knew even after created man that man would sin and man would fail God. But it was in God's plan that the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, would go to the cross and suffer and die for our sins. It was in the plan of God that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. In fact, we see that his whole ministry was marked by two overriding purposes the first one was to do the will of the father in heaven 
And the second was to fulfill the prophecies that were agreed upon, that were laid out before in order that the Savior might be glorified and glorify the Father in heaven as well. So Christ um, came in order to do the Father's will. In fact, he said this. He said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He always had that consciousness of doing the will of God. You know, that's something that would be good for us to keep in our mind and thinking. All of us have decisions to make about the future, even about this week. And one of the things we always want to keep in mind is that little phrase, Lord, I want your will in my life. I, I, I want your will. Um, remember, Jesus taught us when we, pr- when we pray that we are to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Your will be done on earth. And, Lord, I want you to guide in my life. I want your will. Do you want me, Lord, to take this trip? Do you want me, Lord, to have this job? Do you want me, Lord, to have this relationship? Constantly we need to, like the Lord Jesus, our prime example of how to live out the Christian life, Jesus said, I do only the will of my Father is in heaven. And so it's good for us to pray sometimes, Lord, I want your will to be done. And if this is not your will, please help me to see what your will is. Help me to say no to something that's not your will. Help me to say yes to something that is your will. Jesus came to do the will of the Father in heaven. It may seem to many to be inappropriate for Christ to enter into Jerusalem on this coronation day on a donkey. However, Jesus did not come in grandeur, but he came in meekness. He did not come to slay Israel's enemies. He came in order to die for our sins. Someone said it this way. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was the plan of the Father, the one who would bear the burden of man's sin. So he entered into Jerusalem on a lowly beast of burden, on an animal that often carried heavy things on its back. That's how Jesus entered into Jerusalem. It's interesting, as you look at verses 8 and 9, you see that the... um, Praise the Lord is very uh, easy to uh, understand. It says a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees. And John's gospel says it was palm branches and spread them on the road. And then multitudes who went before are praising God and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. This is very beautiful. Uh, the fact that they spread the palm branches out on the uh, ground uh, in that day was very obvious what this meant. Uh, in our day, sometimes important people have a red carpet spread out before them. Well, in that day, important people, especially kings and officials, they would spread out palm branches or spread out their clothes in order to honor this one who is coming by. The palm branches, by the way, we are told by those who understood why they were used, uh, say that they symbolize victory and joy. And Christ was coming, and he was going to bring the ultimate victory for mankind when he died on the cross. So people are responding, and they're waving these uh, palm branches in the air. This is really an awesome thing. And they are praising God. Now, it's true, as you're going to see towards the end of the week, 
they're going to cry out, crucify him. But actually right here on Palm Sunday, they are literally praising the Messiah. Many of them have in mind the fact, oh, that's right, Zechariah 9.9. It was prophesied that our king would come into Jerusalem on a donkey. Because you and I understand that we know what kind of king they wanted him to be. They wanted to be the, a, a military-type king who would defeat the Roman Empire and would allow the leaders in Israel to rise up as political leaders in their society, and they would no longer be in subjugation to the Roman Empire. But that's not why Jesus came. But it is interesting that at the beginning of this, that they realize that Jesus Christ is worthy of praise. Here's the presence of the one who, at least from their standpoint, was claiming to be the Messiah. And you know, the Lord is worthy of our praise. If you want to catch yourself uh, doing the will of God, we were just talking about it. If you want to catch yourself um, doing what you know God wants you to do, uh, one of the things that you will have in mind is the fact that you know God wants you to praise Him. Praise on our lips is very important. The psalmist said in Psalm 9, verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. He recognizes the fact that God is worthy of our praise. And you, you and I know the verse very well. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. So who's here with us this morning? The Lord. And he is worthy of our praise. That's why I thought it was so good when I was sitting here hearing you sing. Remember I talked about that and I criticized those who don't sing. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but no, it was awesome. And we forget sometimes when we're singing, when these hymns are chosen for us, part of our worship is to praise God. And we sing sometimes together, praise God from whom all blessings flow. He is worthy of our praise. Praise is giving thanks to God for who he is. He's the awesome creator of our universe who sent his son here for us. And he's worthy to hear from our lips. Praise to him. In fact, I like to use Hebrews 13:15 often, which says, Therefore, by him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice, the praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. You know, one of the ways you can really please the Lord, you can, no matter what age we are, when you say, you know, here's what the Lord did for me this week. Now, that may just drop from your lips. <laughs> you may say, boy, the Lord really did something. Uh, I heard somebody say this morning, thank the Lord that the, um, the hail didn't damage my car. I thank the Lord that it <laughs> I am too. We had a lot of hail, but it didn't damage our car. But here's the point. When we, with our lips, give thanks to the Lord, he is honored and he's glorified. And, and let's not forget this. He is worthy of our praise. You see, it's easy for us to, um, and I want to be careful when I say this, and uh, we, we, we don't want to just praise ourselves we want to praise God before others. It's an awesome thing when a mom or a dad can speak well of the Lord before his or her children. I mean, there's something about it that multitudes of people don't even understand. 
And that's why the Word of God says, bring up your children and nurture in the admonition of the Lord. So when the children come home from Sunday school and children's church and they have a, a piece of literature that has scripture on it that magnifies the Lord, what an awesome thing for a parent to be able to say to that child, boy, that's, that's awesome about the God we love and we worship and we serve. It's very important that we lift up the Lord in the presence of uh, our children and others as well. Praise is thanking God for the many things that he does as well. Many of you are familiar with Psalm 103, which goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the first in the benefits is he forgives all our iniquities. Man, that's one thing I'm thankful for this morning, that he has forgiven my sins. And, um, and if I sin again as a believer... I can confess that sin and stay in fellowship with God. Um, forgiveness of sins is at the top of the list of the psalmist in Psalm 103. Praise is awesome. And uh, as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, they are shouting out in praise, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna means, by the way, and we sang it this morning, it means save now. And of course, what they wanted Jesus to do was to save their nation, to get them out from the bondage of the Roman Empire. But that's not why Jesus came. He came to save them individually from their sins. He came to, in order to go to the cross and give his life. He was to be the Savior. And they called him the Son of David. And, of course, the Scriptures are very clear Jesus was born in the line of David. You check the genealogy in Matthew 1.1. Jesus, son of Abraham, son of David. And, of course, the reason for that is and why he's called the son of David. And we don't want to forget this because this affects our view of the future. You say, affects our view of the future? Knowing that Jesus is the son of David? Yes, it does. I'll tell you why. Because the Lord said to David, King David, he said, Second uh, Samuel 7:16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now wait a minute. David has died, and his sons have died. How is his throne going to be established forever? It's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, we are those who are looking forward yet to the millennial kingdom. When Jesus Christ comes down and rules and reigns for, in Jerusalem for a thousand years and on into eternity. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the son of David. He's the promised Messiah. He's the king of kings. And we got our theology from the word of God, didn't we? Our knowledge of who Jesus really is. We are those, again, I'm going to repeat back up. We are those who are looking for the return of Christ because he said I will come again. He will come again in two phases. First of all, at the rapture. And then after seven years of judgment, he comes down to the church, uh, rather to Jerusalem to rule and reign for a thousand years. What a savior we have! How awesome! Well, the multitudes are praising God. They're uh, acknowledging that Jesus is a king, but they really do not understand who Jesus really was. They were blind to Jesus' true mission. And I appreciate um, 
Austin mentioning in prayer this morning of the fact that Jesus Christ did something for all mankind when he died on the cross and paid for our sins. You see, these people who were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, glory to God. They didn't understand Jesus' mission. Jesus said it very clearly many times in the Gospels. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And so you and I this morning, we who know Christ, we recognize that one time in our lives, we were lost. We didn't have a relationship with God. And thank the Lord for those who came alongside of us, maybe from this church fellowship, maybe it was your parents. Thank the Lord for those who told you about Jesus and who he really is. And please keep this in mind. I say it many times, but it's so true. The multitudes of people do not know who Jesus Christ is. I have neighbors who have no idea who Jesus Christ is, but you do too. We work with people. They don't know who Jesus is. All they've heard about Jesus, the founder of Christianity, but they don't know of his great love and the fact that he left heaven and his motivation for going to the cross and their suffering and dying. His motivation was that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. He loves us. It's interesting in verses 10 and 11, they asked the question, did you see that? Oh, man. And when he had come into Jerusalem... All the city is moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. See, they really didn't get it right, did they? Oh, yeah, he was that prophet promised in the book of Deuteronomy. But he wasn't just a prophet. It's the Islam, the religion of Islam recognizes Jesus as a prophet, but not as God the Son who laid down his life on the cross for our sins. And so there's a barrier that you have to overcome when you talk to Muslims about Christ. You have to overcome that barrier that they're taught, well, he's only a prophet. And Muhammad, he was a prophet too. I was with someone not too many years ago who said, uh, you know, even Muhammad and Jesus are going to have to bow before the fa- uh, Allah and acknowledge that he's greater. You know what I did then? Kept my cool. I said, the word of God tells us that Jesus is God the Son. In fact, Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 8 and 10 both, he said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. I am. Who appeared to Moses many years before? God, the son, in the bush. Moses said, when I go to the people of Israel and, ask, and they say to me, who should I say sent me to deliver you? You shall say to them, I am has sent me to you. And this, see, they didn't know who Jesus was. He's the prophet, uh, the prophet from Israel, just a prophet. No, he's not just a prophet, even as some people were taught. He is the prophet of God. He is the spokesman for God. He is the son of God. And remember when Jesus was in the garden and all these soldiers came out and uh, Judah, 
uh, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss in the garden. And uh, the soldier said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And they fell to the ground. Because there's power in his name. And that's why we want to use it. Quick review, very quick review. The scriptures tell us that the people cut down palm branches and waved them in the air and laid them on the ground. The palm branches represent joy and victory. And the victory that was going to come would be to those who would put their faith and trust in Jesus and have victory over death. As Austin mentioned in prayer this morning, we as believers have victory over death itself because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, Jesus came to give victory, not over the Roman Empire, but over death. So you and I know if we die or when we die, you and I know to be absent from the body is to be? Wow. Because of Christ. Because of the one who rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. Secondly, Jesus chose to ride into the city on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9 because in biblical times, Jewish people had some leaders, notice that we're underlining the word some, who rode into um, times of exhortation on a donkey. In fact, the donkey actually symbolized peace. And Jesus Christ, when he came, he came as the prince of peace. He's the one who gives peace. Um, think of that when you think of the donkey. Why not a, a, a stallion? Why not a horse going into battle? Because Jesus came to give peace. He came to forgive people of sin so that he might have peace of heart and mind. Please remember this about Jesus. He's the prince of peace. He said to uh, the disciples, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. And we need peace. We're living in a day when there are a lot of people who say, You know, i got so many things going through my mind. I have so many decisions to make. Listen, Jesus Christ gives peace. You say, How does he do it? He does it when we go to him and say, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. And right now I'm struggling with something in my mind, in my heart. And Lord, I need your peace. You said you give peace. And so you talk to your Lord and say, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. Thirdly, you remember they shouted Hosanna, which means save now. And multitudes of them did not know that he came to save them from their sins. And lastly, we want to remind you of the fact that it said very clearly in chapter 21, verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet. Zechariah 9.9, we started it with. Your king is coming, and when he comes to you, he's going to go into Jerusalem on a donkey, on the fall of a donkey. You can recognize your king. So here's what I want you to remember. The palm branches, well, they were waving them in the air. A victory. They spread them out on the ground because the palm branch symbolized to them victory and joy. And Jesus Christ came to give you and me victory over death. I'm going to repeat it. It's worthy to hear. When a Christian dies, 
A Christian should always, before dying, keep in mind, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He or she who believes in me, even though he or she should die physically, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's why he went in Jerusalem. Palm branches speak of victory. The donkey speaks of peace. I already mentioned this. Jesus is the giver of peace. Hosanna, save now. What's Hosanna mean? Save us. What did they want to be saved from? The Roman government. What did Jesus come to save from? Sin and sin's power. And lastly, remember that little phrase we looked at in Matthew 21. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by the prophet. Your king is coming to you. And when he comes, he will go into Jerusalem sitting on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. And the point for that is God had a plan. And how thankful we are this morning. If you know Jesus is your Savior, you are part, you are in God's plan. You have responded to faith in the Messiah, the Son of God who went to the cross for you. It's awesome. The Word of God is very clear. That God works all things according to the counsel of His will. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're brought into the plan of God. Now, I know I've had people say, well, can a Christian get out of fellowship with God? Can a Christian backslide? Certainly, the Bible's clear on that. But how beautiful that when someone comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he pulls that person or those persons back to himself. If you're truly saved, you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he pulls you back into fellowship with himself and into fellowship with the body of Christ. We realize we're here to praise him and to give glory to him. So God has a plan as well. The branches, the donkey, the hosanna, but please don't forget that this all happened because God had a plan. And we want to say this morning together, thank you, Lord, for bringing us uh, into your plan. Let's pray together.